being dinner and all that. Thank you, all those volunteers and everybody that make that possible. It's good to be in God's house. Well, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles as you have them in front of you. I know you do, or your tablet or phone, whatever you use for your scriptures. Turn to Psalm 63, verse 1. Psalm 63, verse 1. I don't know that if when you look at the, in the Psalms or read them, as you see that those little phrases in italics below each one where it says Psalm 63 and then it says the Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Now, I don't know that you notice that so much, but in the Hebrew uh, Tehillim, the, the Hebrew um, Bible uh, of the book of Psalms, that, that would be verse 1. And then we go to verse 2 and 3 because they're pretty significant because it tells who wrote it, sort of where they are. It doesn't always give all that detail, but David was in the desert of Judah. But it doesn't always give those notes. So pay attention to those because they can be very interesting. Um, I've been looking at Psalm 46. I don't want to make that because we're going to turn in there. But there's about seven psalms that were written uh, by one particular family. And it's really amazing. Maybe in a couple weeks I'll talk about it. But uh, these people who are writing the songs are writing out of their life, their heart, their experience. And this one is from David when he is in the desert of Judah, which is south of Jerusalem, down in the Negev, and down there towards the Dead Sea. It's dry and it's barren. But he writes this. He said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David's writing about being in a desert. He's in the desert of Judah, and he says, as he thinks about his heart towards God, he said, I, I am as thirsty for you, God, as I am for water in this barren place that I am, in this desert place. The land of Israel is a semi-arid land. Water is essential. It has to be a reliable source of pure water. It's needed all the time. And Israel has been known to uh, really develop some amazing things of desalinating water uh, to provide water for themselves and also for the area around them, uh, like even they supply water into Gaza and up into um, Judea and Samaria up north, what we call the uh, West Bank or whatever. It's the uh, mountains of Israel, and they provide water. It's interesting to know uh, that in 1964 to 1967, Israel went to war with Syria and Lebanon. Those are the northern countries, Syria, Lebanon right north, and Syria sort of the, to the northeast of the land of Israel because it was called the War of Water or the War Over Water because what those countries were attempting to do is to cut off Israel from their water sources. They were going to dam up three, two out of the three areas that were coming water down into the land of Israel out of the mountain reach to Mount Horeb and down at Banyas where the water comes right out of the mountain. They wanted to block those places off to stop their ability to live, really, with the water that was needed. In fact, 98% of the rivers were diverted with dams and various canals as they're taking the water away. And, um, and those that they couldn't, they would pollute with sewage, trying to destroy. The enemies of Israel were trying to destroy them by water. And how to do that. There was a war, and it culminated in a six-day war 
in uh, 1967, and that's when, in six days, they got the land back, Golan Heights, the city of Jerusalem was reunited, and all those things happened. It was an amazing thing. But it was, uh, the, you see, the Bible really talks a lot about water, uh, indicating the importance of water. Now, I suppose that all of us have been around water at some time in our life. I was accused of going to the beach next week. I might go to the beach. I'll do it for Leah just to tell her that I put my feet in the water. Or whoever that was that said, oh, that was Lisa. Never mind. One of the other people. Anyway, we've all been by the ocean and seen the roaring of the waves continually coming in on the shore. We have been uh, in those kind of places. We've been around the waterfall. We hear the water coming down over the waterfalls. And... Um, and even the fast-moving river where people are kayaking down fast-moving places. And then we've all sat beside the pond, and it's quiet, and it's tranquil. We've all had those times around water. Water is an important thing, and we have our uh, relationship with it, too, and those kind of things. Now, if rocks can cry out, it says so in the Scripture, and trees can clap their hands, it says so in Scripture, God's water... And his waterways and all the water that he talks about in Scripture has a way of talking to us or teaching us and even responding as God directs the waters. Let me give you a couple of examples from Scripture. I certainly won't cover these this morning. See if you remember these. The seas parted and let the freeing, uh, fleeing children of Israel pass through. Water came from a rock when Moses spoke to it. The Jordan River parted, rose up in a heap, the scripture says, when the priest stepped into it in the book of Joshua. Bitter water was made sweet in the wilderness. Jesus, Yeshua, walked on water and he turned the water into wine, the first miracle. And of all God's creation, the land, the creation will respond to him. Let me give you a couple more. You'll remember these too. Um, cisterns, springs, wells, rivers, brooks. Abraham's servant found a wife for Isaac by the well outside the city and the town of Nahor. And Isaac reopened the wells his father Abraham had dug. Moses and his wife Zipporah met his wife Zipporah beside a well in Midian. While David was battling the Philistines, he longed for the water that's down by Bethlehem. And his mighty men went down there and got him a drink of water. That same source is still there today. It's the land is a place of water. God talks about water a lot. If they can cry out, they're going to cry out to us this morning. We do need water for our journey. I began in the, the beginning of the month, the first part of the year, talking about the matter that we are on a spiritual journey. We're walking every day. We've got things we're going to face throughout the year. And how are we going to be overcomers in that? And I talked first Sunday. We talked about ca carrying a pack along. If you're a hiker, you carry a pack. So you got the pack and what's in there, and you could probably all remember because we talked about the names of Messiah, Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So what do I have within my heart? What do I have? What can I bring out when I'm in need of peace? I go to the prince of peace. If I need counsel, if I know what to do, what direction to take, I can go to uh, the wonderful counselor. He will give me guidance. When I get lost in my time and I said, oh, Lord, what's going on and when am I ever going to get out of this? I can go to an everlasting father, one who is eternal, one who has it all in from the beginning, who sees it all. I can trust him. All those things we have in our pack. And then we looked at the illustration of the Good Samaritan and we saw how Jesus is represented there. He came to us and rescued us. 
a little bit like our song this morning about um, out of that grave. Well, Lazarus experienced it. Come on out, Lazarus. And uh, so that was part of what we talked about in that parable, that story. And then we talked about the one who was robbed last week. Well, in, I'm thinking about this journey that we are on and our theme for the year, which is a matter of finding new life, new life in Zion. Finding in God, the dwelling place of God, we're going to find new life there. We need to be walking in new life. So I'm thinking about what do we need on our journey. Uh, I think it was my birthday last year. Uh, the boys, my sons, got me this. This, by the way, is not a cigar carrier. I don't do that, so that can't be it. Anybody want to venture guess what this is? It's a life straw. This is a straw that if you undo it here, you drink through here, open this up, you can drink pure water. And so I said, I, I would really want that. I would like to have water. This can uh, handle a 1,000 gallons of water just for me. I'm not going to share it with you, but it's a 1,000 gallons I can use on mine, okay? So when water cuts off, you come to me and I'll sell you a couple of sips. Anyway. This removes 99.999999% of bacteria, they claim. E. coli. If you use this straw, this life straw, it will take care of 99.999% of parasites. I don't know why it didn't quite get the other two nine nines after it, but it only goes to three nines instead of six of parasites. Giardia, Giardia which is out of uh, the animals up in the mountains and the streams. And this other one. Chiropostoridium, chiropostoridium. I don't know what that is, but I'm safe if I have this. You know, if you're someplace and you come across that, you can, if you can spell it, you can drink it, okay? That's what it is, and it won't bother you. And 99.999% of microplastics, which I don't know why I'd try that, but it'll cover it. So this is why here at our fellowship, we have been so excited about being able to put in good wells in India, in the Indian villages. This last uh, fundraiser we had, $12,000 came in for that, and there's wells being drilled in villages that is going to give them clean water. It's an important issue. Water is vitally important. Why? It, it's to sustain life. In the natural realm, we need good water. You know, I grew up as a plumber's kid, and I wasn't a plumber. And I remember my dad saying over and over again, he said, if you wake up in the morning and your stomach's upset, you're going to say, boy, what did I eat last night? Maybe that extra slice of pizza did me in. He said, probably not what you ate, it's what you drank. Water can affect us that way. And so we have to be careful. Water is important in the natural realm. And so it's no wonder that Jesus talks about the matter of water when he walked upon the earth. Let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is when Jesus uh, talked to the woman at the well, and he brings up about the issue of water and the importance of drinking it and where it is. Now, this is an amazing story. I won't spend a lot of time in it, but I want you to see what was going on in the Gospel of John chapter 4. When, verse 1, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, because John was very, very popular at this time, John the Baptist, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. 
Now, he had to go through Samaria. I think we talked about that issue before. The Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. The Samaritans were those that stayed in Israel during the Babylonian captivity, and they intermarried with uh, some of the, the uh, Canaanites, the people in the land, and so they were a uh, mixed race, so to speak. They were Jews, but they had married other people. And when the Jews came back, they said, we don't like you. We're not, uh, we're not getting along. In fact, they wouldn't even go through their towns. If you would look, if I had a map of Israel, you could go from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. And there's a mountain range, and Samaria would be in the middle of that down to Jerusalem. And they would actually walk around it. They would make efforts to get around. They wouldn't go through that. But it's interesting that Jesus always did what the Father said to do. And he said, I have to go through Samaria. I'm sure his disciples said, are you sure? Yep, we're going to go through. We're going to go down through Samaria. That's what we're going to do when we're on our way uh, to Jerusalem. We're going to do that, or from back once more to Galilee. I'm sorry. So, verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So, he came into a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob had given his son Joseph. He had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy him some food. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, Well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with in the wells deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from him himself? So did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, and this is an important statement. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't have to be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Well, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right. When you say you have, don't, don't ha you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. The man you're now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the one said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, that salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I'm he. Now, I just read a long passage, and I hope you kept up with this story, and you know exactly what had happened, that here was a cultural matter. There were issues that Jesus was knocking over 
One of them was that Jew or Samaritan cultural difference. The ethnicity of who they were was being in clash. Again, the scripture says it. Samaritans and Jews don't get along. They just don't. So Jesus is going over that area, that distinction, that cultural separation. And then he said, how come you're talking to me as Samaritan woman? There was a gender separation, male and female. Males did not talk to females. Females didn't talk to, to, to males unless they were related in family or married or somebody. It was just not a common thing. So he said, here, what are you talking to me for? You're, you're <laughs> this is unusual for me. But Jesus continues to confront into this woman's heart, into her life, busting through these barriers. And then when they talk about worship, it's either here, she said, our fathers worship here, you Jews worship down in Jerusalem, and so it was a religious issue. We're different. And Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's a heart issue, it's not a place issue, this is where it's going to be. But verse 13 and 14 give the whole truth of Jesus saying, if you drink of me, verse 13, 14, you're never going to thirst. In fact, the water that I'm going to give you will become in them, those that drink of me, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, Jesus saying, I am presenting to you a way of eternal life about believing in me, trusting in me. Remember to... Um, Nicodemus in the garden in John chapter 3, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he said, and Nicodemus says, wait a minute, I can't be born again. Unless you're born again, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is presenting the way, the good news, the gospel. But he said this, I am the one. He said, I am he. He's also said in that passage. Jesus is the life-giving water. There's a lot of things that are identified, living water, there's churches by that, the name of living water fellowship, there's living water this, living water that, all with the same presentation that Jesus is the one who's going to satisfy your thirsty heart. In fact, David, anticipating the coming Messiah, I'm sure he said, I need to have a drink of that. I need that drink of Jesus. I need that. But Jesus also said, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us continuous flow. Go to John chapter 7, just over a couple pages. John chapter 7. Now Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he has uh, uh, a great gathering there. People from all over the country have come there, and they're walking through the whole ceremony of the Feast of Tabernacles, and you can read about that And uh, in chapter 7. And it comes down to this part. Go down to verse 20, 37, I'm sorry, 37, John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, notice the phraseology that he told the woman at the well. He said, if you take a drink of me, there will come springing up into you eternal life. He says it again here. Rivers of living water will flow from within them, from within them. Now, verse 39 gives an explanation by the gospel writer, John. He said, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus has not yet been glorified. Jesus said again, I'm the one. The life-giving flow will come when the Holy Spirit comes and you're filled with His Spirit. 
and I'm gone to the Father. Holy Spirit has come within you. He's going to live with you, and you're going to stream up. There's going to be something happen in you that's going to come forth. Uh, go to Isaiah 35. Go to Isaiah 35. Again, Isaiah is a prophet who talked about the coming of, of Messiah, but also the coming of other things that were going to take place. But Isaiah 35 gives us another very important passage concerning this issue. Isaiah 35. Maybe in your Bible you have a little phrase, the joy of the redeemed. But listen to this. Isaiah prophesies, and he said, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The joy of Lebanon will be given it to the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame leap with then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will there called the highway of holiness. The picture here that he's prophesying, there will come a day in the millennial reign when all this is going to be set up. But the matter is, this, this giving of water is going to bring supply. Be, don't be afraid. Drink deep of this water. Now, what does that have to do with me and you? What is the whole deal about water and drinking water and handling that? I want to walk into this this way. Two, two things. Number one is while we're on our journey, you're going to get thirsty. While this coming year, when you're walking along, you're going to get thirsty. You're going to desire something to satisfy your heart. You, you, I just feel uh, that I need something. Well, the water of life is within you, the Holy Spirit, the giver, the, the bubbling forth of the water, the, the desert. The scripture said, you'll, you, you're going to have these things happen. You need water. We need water to live. We need water on our journey. And that's one issue of our life. But the other part of it is far too many of us have grown accustomed to being dry, to being dried out. I just, life is so dry. I've heard that from many Christians over my lifetime. I've heard people, well, it's just so dry. I, I, we use that term probably not even knowing that it's a biblical understanding where David said, I'm crying out. I'm thirsty in a desert land. We talk like that, but here we are. No conception of the difference of dry places and because we've just become accustomed to being dry. Isaiah 35 said, there'll be streams of living water. We don't understand what importance that's going to make in our walk. Unfortunately, in fact, many people think that when the Holy Spirit becomes lively in us or bubbling in us, it's a threat. We're so used to dry that any kind of life is uncomfortable because we like our dry better than we do the bubbling over of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, His satisfying in our hearts. I started with the longing of David, Psalm 63, 1. He said, 
I long for you. I desire you as a person who's in a desert place. Lord, I want you. I need you. That's, that's the cry of our hearts. And when we get used to that cry and don't do anything about it, it becomes, well, we become dried up. Just a bunch of dried up saints. Just <laughs> wind blows through. We all just blow away. We need the water of life that Jesus gave, gives us, eternal life, bubbling up within you, coming out of you. Well, there's another psalm that gives a similar, uh, not similar, but a, 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 another dimension of this that I want to bring here, Psalm 84. Go to Psalm 84. Go back to the book of Psalms, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. If I again read the, the little italicized for the director of music, according to Kitheth of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Now listen to the heart cry here. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Now here's the scene. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. The ESV says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The heart moving towards God. The heart that desires all that God has. Verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. There is a journey that we're all on. It's not only a journey of life, it's a journey to the dwelling place of God, to Zion. I want to be where he is. There's going to come a day we are going to be there. But there's a journey to go. And he said there are those who are on, on, on a journey, pilgrimage, highway to Zion, but they pass through the valley of Baca. Baca. The valley of Baca. No one really knows where this valley is. They haven't found it, identified that this is like the Kidron Valley or uh, another valley in Israel. They don't know where, exactly where it is. But the word baka, baka, simply means weeping. It's a place of weeping. It's pretty similar to Psalm 23 where David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's a place of mourning. It's a place that is, uh, it's, it's, it's not a good place to be in. It's, it's a picture of gloom and, and um, lamentation, the writers say, and tears. It's a place that you don't really want to be in. It's a place of danger, hot and dusty and dry, this valley where travelers would be attacked by thieves along the way, like we've talked about the robbed one in the parable of the Good Samaritan. It might even speak of a memory of a loved one hurt or even killed there a valley of weeping. He said they pass through that place. 
and it says they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains covered with pools. And the word pools, Matthew Henry said they thought maybe the traveler would have dug some depressions along the path where when the rains come, the water would be collected there. And on the return journey, they might find water in this dusty valley. They might find resource. It reminds you a little bit where Paul said to the uh, Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 4, he said, give comfort to those with the comfort you receive from me. In other words, provide water for other people who need water. That's the idea that you can, you can pick up from there. But they're going to Zion. Their place, your hearts are a highway to Zion. Listen, we're walking through life not just until the day we die. We're walking through life to do kingdom business. We're walking through life to do the will of God in our life. Uh, presenting our, our lives as living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our only our reasonable service of worship. And then I'm going to do that. Why? So I'm working towards, I want to be with him. I'm going that way. I want to be in the, to the dwelling place of God. Highway to Zion. Well, while they're there, they make it a spring. And the Bible says they go from strength to strength. Till each one appears before God in Zion. They're making it a place to draw in, to get that water, to go on. I hope you're getting the message here that God wants us to live in the flow of his water of life, his living water, the eternal life that he's promised us right now to live in, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes within us. Jesus said it, John 7. This he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit who's going to come, and he came in the book of Acts. But how do you and I keep the water flowing? How are we going to do that? We're not going to all walk with a lifestyle. I suppose I could in some way make stretch a real point and say this Bible right here is my life straw. It will keep me. It will keep me from stuff. It will protect me. How does a man, young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, uh, a way to my path. Your word, your word, it's important. One of the things that come against us is that we have an enemy who wants to block up our life flow. He wants to block it up. If he can't block it, he wants to pollute it with what we're taking in. So the enemy comes in at us. It was actually a, tra uh, a tactic of an opposing armor, army rather, who would come against another city and they would cut off the water supply. Hezekiah's tunnel. Some of you have walked down through the tunnel. In, in Jerusalem. That was Hezekiah said, we got to get water here and we're going to dig a tunnel that you can do that with. Get water to the city of Jerusalem. In 2 Kings chapter 3, it talks about when the Moabites and the Israelites were going to battle. Moabites had come in against them. Israel was winning a great battle. But what they did when the battle was over and they had won the battle, they went around and stopped up all the wells and all the springs. Why? to cut off the life flow to their enemies. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 3, towards the end of the chapter. They stopped up all the springs. Sin does that to you. When we walk independently on our own and we begin to walk in sin and we begin to do those things to find life and satisfaction apart from God, sin comes in. And you've heard a phrase before. Sin, when it comes... It will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. 
Let me say that again, because you need to understand that one little thing, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it my way. I don't need you. I'm going to disobey your word. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to ignore what your Holy Spirit is telling me. I'm going to walk in sin. I'm going to deliberately go independent of you. Let me just tell you, it's going to take you places you never wanted to go. It's going to cost you more than you ever thought you'd ever have to pay in life. Look around you. Look at the people who have lost families, lost businesses, lost their homes, lost everything. Why? Because they got into sin, and it cost them far more than they ever wanted to. And it kept them out there longer than they ever wanted to stay. You see, when we get blocked up, Satan does that. He's got a, a way to do it. He does it all the time, gives us temptation. Look at Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. Cut off life. You can't have life. You got to get out of here. I'm afraid if you go in there and God says, if you go in, you'll live forever. I don't want you to live forever. I want you to deal with this. And so Adam and Eve were kept out of the tree of life. That's when sin entered. But thank God that Jesus came. And he came to save us and to set us free. And out of darkness into his light, he brought us there. But what happens along the way? We want a different source than him. How do we get back? How do we get rid of the sin? 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's the way out? How do I keep water flowing? I repent. I recognize that I repent. I turn from it, and I confess it before the Lord. And then, how do I do it? I keep cleansed by the word of God. So let me give you a few verses. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. How do I... How do I keep going here? I have to understand the, the, the uh, power of the word of God in my heart. Ephesians chapter 5, when, when uh, Paul's writing about the, the, the family, the husband and wife relationship, if you go down to verse 26, let's go to 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle of any blemish, but holy and blameless. The washing of the water by the word. Can I tell you one of, one of the, the keys or one of the clues that you can have is when you begin to feel like you've just been thrown up on or you're dirt, it's just, you've walked, maybe it's just a rotten day at work and you just feel like every demon spirit that ever could come showed up today and was terrible and it's all over you, and you are just feel like you just walked through the sewer. It's just terrible. How do you get that off? The washing of water by the Word. You go to the Word of God. You go to the Word of God, and you get cleansed by being in the Word and saying, Lord, I'm taking your Word, the washing of water by the Word. I want you in my life. And you do it quick because we all know if you keep being dirty and staying dirty, pretty soon it gets crusty on you, you know? Again, I've told too many stories over the years, but when I, Judy and I first came here, we just were helpers, and we had children. We had the children's program, and I was doing plumbing, and as many of you know, plumbers get their hands. They're like mechanics. They get hands that are stained and dirty with uh, pipe dope and cutting oil and ABS cement and all this stuff, and you can scrub them all day, but they're still stained. And one of my job, uh, one of the things that we had the opportunity is work with the children. So each Sunday morning, up in the old upper, upper chapel there, I would get down on the down there, and I would call all the little children up, and I would give them a 
five-minute, ten-minute children's story. And I would talk to them, and, you know, and I would just give them stories. And then they would go to their uh, junior church class, and then Pastor Butsy would preach. That's how it did. Well, one day, one of the mothers came to me and said, listen, we got to do something about this. I said, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, I told my young son to go in. You've been playing outside. Go in and wash your hands because we're going to have supper. He said, oh, I don't have to do that, Mom. What do you mean you don't have to do that? Mr. Schumann doesn't, and never washes his hands. You'll, you'll, you'll get the picture in a little bit. My hands were dirty. I couldn't get it off. Now I have lily white hands. Why? Because I don't do that anymore. They're all clean now. But think of yourself spiritually. If you get all dirtied up, how do you get clean? The, the enemy wants you to focus on that. Oh, it's been a terrible, terrible hard day. Yes, it has been. Go ahead and moan and grind and complain. That's really right up my line, Satan says. I'm a divider. I want you to walk in your house. I want you to get mad. I want you to kick the dog, ignore the cat, um, shove your kids in the corner, and just behave like I would, says the enemy. I said it before as well. I'm going to back to set it before as before. Maybe this is a reminding thing. Is that when you fight and you get loud and you do that, you are inviting Satan to come into your house and bring in division. You say, Satan, we're going at it. Come on in and join us. Because when you, this, the, when you get fighting about stuff, guess what? Stuff comes out. James talks about the tongue. And he says in, in James chapter 3, he said, can clean water and dirty water come out of the same heart, or the same fountain? It does. Why? It shouldn't. But the enemy comes along and says, go ahead and pollute it up a little bit. And we'll make this happen. So we got to guard our hearts. And we got to do it by the word. Get in the word. Um, John 15. You're in Ephesians. Go back to John 15. John 15, verse 3. John 15, he said, and it's just very clear. He said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He looked at his disciples and they were wondering about this this whole business of bearing fruit and are we clean or not, all this stuff. He said, you're already clean by the word that I've given to you. In chapter 17, just go over a page again, John 17, verse 17. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Let me finish with this. The Bible are not just words on a page. They're God-breathed words that have life and contain life in them. But it's our responsibility to open to that, to receive it, believe it, and act upon it, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, on our journey, to drink deep from that water of life and let it bubble out of you. Let your words be appropriate. Splash it around other people. Give life. Why? Because he fills us for the journey. And today, it's not just today, it's for tomorrow too. Every day. We drink deep of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit that contain life in us so that we can live in this day as we're on our way, strength to strength, till we see Him face to face. We're on our way to Zion, the city of our God. Jeremiah said it clear, come, let us go to Zion, the mountain of the Lord. Let us go there. Zion. Are you dry? It's time to get wet again. Allow the Holy Spirit to just fill and flood you today. Worship team, if you would come. I'm going to ask us to stand. We're singing a song that says, My life is in you. 
my life is in you. Make this, it's a sort of a love beat song, but make it you, make it come. Bring in and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Can we just do that as they make their way? Holy Spirit, just come right now. Fill us full. Lord, I, I just know that many feel dry. They've been in a valley, and it's been dry. But Lord, you said we can build a spring there. We can come and build a spring. We can see you again in that place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill each one new. That if there is sin in our life, we repent of it and say no. And we turn and confess our sins, knowing you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Cleansing us from that. Washing us clean. But Lord, I pray that we would be energized to be in your word, following the Holy Spirit, walking, seeing those things happen because you're in our life. So Lord, I pray for all of us that we sing this, say, my life is in you, Lord. I will praise you with all of my life. Everything about me, I do that. Make that choice, I pray. Lord, make it in us. We're faced with it. Make us make that choice to follow you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. My life.